Hannah. I'm Sheena. And I'm Lori. And this is Cemetery Row. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi. (laughs) How are we doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Nice to see your faces. Yes, for sure. Um, we have a different sort of topic for um, this episode. It's not necessarily about people and where they're buried, but it's about war hero animals and where they're buried or not buried, as the case may be. And we are all a bunch of animal lovers. Uh, the three of us all have pets. We've all had pets. I don't think that any of us would identify as a cat person or a dog person. I think we're just, we're animal people. Yes, (laughs) All pets are good pets. All cats are good cats. All dogs are good dogs. That's my take on things. Um, Absolutely. So every cat is the best cat. Yes. That's science. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do we want to talk about our own pets before we jump into these awesome war animals? Sure. Yeah. I know Um, we like talking about animals. We do. I have, um, I'm just going to be a pushy look, Venus is in Pisces and I'm feeling very pushy right now. So <laughs> y'all just work with me. So I have an 11 year old cat named Gwen, who is queen of the world and also queen of all evil. And then I also have an 11 year old dachshund mix. We think she's mixed with beagle or chihuahua yes she is part dachshund dachshund, all potato um and her name is tabitha my tabby cat is named gwen queen of the world she's named after gwen stefani in case you wondered and then tabitha that was the name she had when i adopted her and she already was six years old so i didn't see the point in changing her name but it fits her She's perfect and it wonderful. Does. And the she greatest. does look like a Tabitha. Yeah, she does. It just, she's, they're both the light of my life. Oh, hey. Lori Lou, talk about all of yours. Oh you gosh. Well, uh, so house pets, um, we have two dogs. We have an Australian shepherd named Buster Douglas, and we have a Corgi puppy that we got during the quarantine and his name is Pickle. Um, they're wild heathens, but I love them. And then uh, we also have a 10-year-old cat named Zangief. And then I have another cat that was supposed to be a porch cat, but I let her sneak in during the cold weather. And I don't think I'm going to make her go back out. And her name is Tila. Geef was actually bought, well, bought, I got let me start over. I actually got Geef for Adam, my husband, for our first Valentine's Day. Oh, that's so sweet. He's, he's, he's been around a while. And my story today uh, is about Sergeant Reckless, which is a Korean war horse. And so among the three of us, I'm the crazy horse girl. So <laughs> uh, I apologize if I, you know, interrupt me and let me know if you don't understand something I say. But yes, I'm the, the horse girl. And we've got about seven horses in addition to my uh, fur babies in the house. And your parents raised miniature horses. For a while, for a while, yes. We still have one of them named Boogie. <laughs> yeah, Lori is our rock and roll um, barrel racer chick, which I love. At one, at one time, at one time. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know if you still compete or not, but I know you used to. Yeah. So. And I'm the only one with only one pet. I have my cat McDuff, who I rescued from um, a tourist attraction in Tennessee that I used to work at. Um, he wandered up and <clears throat> he did not like people, but he wanted to be fed. So we had to come to an understanding and um, I worked on him for several months and taught him some manners, taught him how to act around people. Um, he started coming into the office and we would have to like hide him from all the corporate folks and all, but um, he finally decided he would, you know, kind of calm down and, and get tame enough for me to bring him home. So I brought him home. I'm horribly allergic to cats, yet I'm not that allergic to good old McDuff. So he is my best friend. Yes. Um, and my mama has some parakeets. We've always, not always, but almost always had parakeets. So that's fun too. I just don't want McDuff and the parakeets to meet. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't blame well. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about our war animals. And as I said, where they're buried or where they're not buried. We decided to go in, um, chronological order and if we're doing that that means I go first because my war animal decided to be awesome during world war one so let's go let's go back picture it Saskatchewan Canada 1914 <laughs> wait there's a oh okay never mind I thought you said Saskatchewan Australia and I was like wait really no <laughs> No, your girl's been drinking. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Saskatchewan, Canada, up north. It's 1914. And there's a town called Broadview. And there's this girl in town. She has a goat. And this goat named Bill is pulling a cart in the town, as you do. And a train comes through town and stops on the train are all of these soldiers who were going um, off to fight in World War One, And they see Bill. They decide he's awesome. And the girl who owned him let them take him along as a good luck charm. They weren't supposed to do this. This was a no-no. How? But you can't really stop soldiers a lot of times when they get their minds and hearts set on something. So they smuggle him into France. And Bill the Goat becomes the mascot of the 5th Infantry Battalion of the Canadian Exped Expeditionary Bingo Force. <laughs> Lord. That was a big word. Yes. <laughs> so Sergeant Bill, as he is known, he ends up actually being a really big help to the soldiers. He had a big moment of bravery, like his big heroic act was when he saved the lives of three soldiers. He could hear an exploding shell coming toward their trench. So he headbutted them. Uh, well, they were in their area and he headbutted them into a trench to avoid them from getting hit by this exploding shell. And so that was his big moment of greatness was he headbutted some guys and said, Hey, get out of the way. I love it. I, I love, love it. You. It's such a goat move. I'm here for okay, it. Okay. So yes. you get the joke in his name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Billy okay. goat. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yes. For our non goat listeners. 
uh, male goats <laughs> are billies and lady goats are nannies. Yes. And their children are kids. I love it. Just like humans. Yes. <laughs> I do too. Um, Sergeant Bill also cornered three enemy guardsmen and helped with guarding prisoners. Very good job, Sergeant Bill. That sounds very goat-like. Doesn't it? <laughs> yes. It does. Bill suffered some shrapnel wounds, shell shock, and trench foot, and he was gassed, but he survived the war. He actually won a couple of medals, the 1914 Star, the General Service Medal, and the Victory Medal. However, while Bill had his moments of greatness, he could be a very naughty goat. Naughty, Bill. Very, very naughty. He was court-martialed twice. (laughs) (laughs) Court-martialed a goat? Yes. Once for eating his battalion's personnel roll. And he (laughs) uh, was court-martialed again for an, this is a quote, an altercation with another sergeant, end quote. (laughs) I love it. I think think he headbutted this other sergeant. And it wasn't to protect him. It was just to headbutt him. It was just, as the old saying goes, he woke up that day and chose violence. And it was against (laughs) this other sergeant. He also went missing. Oh, He also went missing, but they found him. I could find no other information on that. Just something I read said, oh, and he he went missing one time. Probably climbed something and was like, fuck (laughs) y'all. He found himself a nanny goat. Ooh. He probably did. I mean, there may be Bill's um, offspring still wandering around France to this day. Who knows? <laughs> um, at the end of World War I, Bill was a part of a victory parade. And there he wore his dress blues and start in sergeant stripes. Yay. So he's a fancy Billy goat. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. So he returned home after that. He was reunited with his owner, and then he died a few years later in 1920. Mm. Um, Sergeant Bill the Goat was not buried. Oh, He was mounted. <gasps> if you want to visit Bill in person, in Goat, he <laughs> is at the Broadview Museum where he is on display. So he is at his hometown museum. Um, that's kind of cool, but I'm also kind of like, oh man, y'all let him rest. He served his yeah. time. Y'all like, you know, rest in peace, Bill. Mm-hmm. It makes um, so much sense. Like every goat I have ever met, like Lori, I grew up on a farm. Um, <laughs> we were kind of a hobby farm. I did. We only had horses for a little while. We didn't have horses very long, but we had a goat and the goat chose violence every oh, day. Yeah. Yeah. We had a goat at one point. He was a white billy goat and his name ironically was Bill. <laughs> it's oh, so, I had a Bill goat too. It's like having a donkey named Jack. I'm like, "Hey, yeah. <laughs> is 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 my Bill the goat the like or was your Bill the goat the reincarnation of my Bill the goat maybe?" Possibly. Bill was he was an he was ornery but he was big enough that you could ride him. Ooh, like wow. if you weighed below a certain amount so he, he was a cool dude oh well apparently um bill was too sergeant bill was too um <laughs> of course he's considered a canadian war hero um there's been a children's book written about him called sergeant billy the true story of the goat who went to war 
And there's also a short independent film called The Invincible Sergeant Bill that's based on his story. The movie came out three years ago. You can watch it online. I watched it. The description reads, a quirky romantic comedy about a young man who inherits a stuffed goat, which also happens to be a war hero, inspired by a piece of true Saskatchewan history. And sure enough, um, I don't know that it's the most amazing short film I've ever seen, but indeed, a, a, a young man inherits a goat, and um, it leads him to find a lady friend. Oh, it was charming. It was charming. Not the (laughs) most historically accurate, maybe, because as we know, Bill is not buried. He is on display. But, you know, it it was cute. It was cute. Yeah. Okay. when you um, said that he wasn't buried, I was so afraid that you were going to say that they ate him. No, they did (laughs) not. No, he's a war hero. Hannah. I was like, no. I mean, I really like goat curry, but I don't know if I could eat somebody I served in battle with. You you no, couldn't I mean, eat a war hero. I mean, come on, yeah, Anna. You can't eat a war hero. Um, I mean, I like goat's cheese, but I'm not about to be like. Well, you hey, couldn't get that from Bill. You could not. No, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it, it kind of bums me out that there's not some great big memorial to him in a cemetery somewhere, but Hey, you can go see him at the Broadview museum. If you and that's ever in Saskatchewan, in Canada, indeed, indeed not Saskatchewan, Australia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clean your ears. Told but you guys yeah, I was um, having a rough day. <laughs> so that's the story of Billy, the Sergeant Bill, the goat. Yeah, put some respect on his name, Sergeant Bill, to you. Sergeant Bill, that's right, who was court-martialed twice. (laughs) I love it. That was like the actor who performed with Black Phillip and the witch was like, hates that goat even now. And like they troll each other, like somebody made a Black Phillip Twitter account. (laughs) And the actor in this Twitter account troll the hell out of each other. And it's so funny. I love that movie. I love it. Okay. I'm into um, it. Hannah, are you next? Yeah, I am. Okay. So mine, we're we're taking, we're skipping a whole world war. Um, there was a second one because we don't know how to act. Germans don't know how to act. Well, yeah. I'm not gonna get into it. That's for another day. But anyway, people don't know how to we act. We apologize to our German listeners. <laughs> right. No, we don't. Actually. We <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> If your daddy was there, just we're having a conversation. Yeah. Um, that's always like the thing of like, I have a Jewish friend who whenever she meets somebody, she's like, so what were your grandparents doing in the 40s? <laughs> Tell me, <laughs> what were they up to? Where'd they go? Did they stay? Are they in South America yeah. now? What are they doing? Yeah. So <laughs> not all Germans. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> mine is a little bit after World War II. Uh, two uh, electric boogaloo um, <laughs> and takes place in the far east in China so our tale is going to begin though in England so in the National Memorial Arboretum which is in Staffordshire England there is a little grove for the British sailors that were lost during the Yangtze incident during the Chinese Civil War in 1949 among the monuments there's a smaller one and this is for simon 
the most militarily decorated cat in UK history. Simon, I know. So Simon began his life rather inauspiciously on what was called Stonecutter's Island in Hong Kong. One day, while his very handsome tuxedo cat, we'll post pictures. He's a very handsome young man. Was looking for a meal. Okay, guys, this is about to be one of the greatest names I've ever said. So just work with me. While he was looking for a meal, 17-year-old, prepare, gird your loins, ordinary seaman, George Hickenbottom. (laughs) Hickenbottom. Hickenbottom. Ordinary (laughs) seaman, Hickenbottom. You know what? I don't know where ordinary seaman George Hickenbottom is right now, but I hope only good things happened for him. I hope you had your best life, George. Yes. <laughs> so he saw him, thought he'd make a really good rat catcher for the ship. So he tucked him in his coat and stuck him onto the HMS Amethyst. HMS, um, Her Majesty's ship or His Majesty's ship. I think it was still His Majesty. I think it was still uh, Betsy's dad at this point. I don't know their names. I don't pay attention to rich British people. Um, So Simon proved to be a really good rat catcher and a favorite among the crew and the captain, who at that time was Lieutenant Commander Ian Griffiths. Very British. Cats have been historically included on ships as a way to keep rats out of the food supplies and keep diseases from jumping on sailors from rats. So one of the popular theories about the Black Plague is that anti-cat sentiment driven by anti-witch sentiment which was driven by anti-woman sentiment but hey led to feline massacres just all across europe which led to a dramatic increase in rats which spread the plague don't fuck with cats they asked for it if they killed the cats they, exactly 100 percent and there's actually like historically like in france for example they had just like cat massacres because Ugh of superstition and people suck and i are very offended i am against it i am on and you know it it still goes on today with black cats you know they're always having to do adoptions reduce price on black cats exactly because of the superstition or they'll still um in some areas they'll tell you if you have a black cat which i have had black cats over my cat owning life uh, keep them indoors around like Halloween and stuff because people are just fucking terrible. Don't. Yeah. Okay. So I have like a grand theory. I have many of these, but one of my grand theories is if you viscerally hate cats, you probably also hate women. I believe that a hundred percent. And if yes. you viscerally hate pit bulls, you probably also hate black people. Yeah. So I do with that with theory what you will. Yeah. This is Hannah's theory of the world. So again, Keep cats on your ships. Don't die of the Black Plague. So we fast forward to April 1949. Simon was living his best life on the Amethyst. And the ship was heading from Shanghai up the Yangtze River to Nanking to relieve a ship known as the HMS Consort. Now, the Consort was guiding, guarding, not guiding, guarding the UK embassy in Nanking. During this time was the civil war between the Republic of China and the Chinese Communist Party. So they had um, the ship guarding the embassy there in Nanking just in case the Chinese Communist Party took over so they could get everyone out and get them back down the river uh, to safety because as Western white people, we were all up in some Kool-Aid we didn't need to be in. This is what we do. It's always a good time. Everybody loves (laughs) it. So... 
the People's Liberation Army, which was the armed wing of the Chinese Communist Party, fired on the boat. Um, so it was like a day-long deluge of fire, and she ran aground. I love that uh, ships are called she, so I'm going to say she as often as possible. So the captain at the time was no longer Lieutenant Commander Griffiths. It was now Lieutenant Bernard Skinner. I love it. <laughs> I just love it. Unfortunately, he died in the bombardment. It's believed that Simon was sleeping in the captain's quarters when it was hit by a shell. He tried to get out. He wasn't fast enough. He got hit by some shrapnel and he hid probably close to the gangway, which is the gangway is the ramp that comes off the boat onto like the dock or whatever. So he kind of hid like on the outside of the, sh not outside the ship, but like the outside wall of the ship. Um, Cause he's a cat. And when shit starts going, cats are like, bye, I'm not doing this yeah. shit. And he was injured. So when cats get injured or sick, they hide. Um, that's, yeah. that's the thing that they do. So the consort, which was up at Nanking had tried to intervene, intervene, but it was also bombarded with fire. And the situation was getting dire for both the sailors and Simon. To be clear, two more British ships were brought in, the HMS London and the HMS Black Swan, which I love. Um, and they attempted rescue, and they did get the amethyst refloated. So they got her off the beach or, you know, off the side of the river, and so they're floating. So this, this happened April 20th. April 30th, the Chinese governor, or Chinese government, rather, told the British, French, and U.S., get the fuck out. Just get out. All of China, go, bye, 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 bye. Y'all are causing problems, which is, to be fair, we should not have been there. <laughs> They're just like, y'all are just a mess. Get, go, go. So the U.S., French, and British were like, I, I, we going, we going. Um, so this is going on. It's a fucking international crisis. But back to the point. Simon was found by Petty Officer George Griffiths, another person who I hope only good things happen to. And he was taken to the med part of the ship and he was patched up and he went right back to rat catching. Simon was earning his keep. So now keep in mind this whole time they are stuck in the Yangtze River, stuck between the Chinese government, which is uh, the People's Republic of China, and the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Liberation Army. So things are not great. This is not a fun situation to be in. So there was apparently one very enormous rat that was leading another gang of rats and like getting in the food and just basically being uh, vermin. And they named this rat Mao Zedong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, who among us? So even though he wasn't really recovered, Simon got that bitch. Simon. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Simon put him on a milk carton. He got <laughs> that hoe. And he was dubbed Able Sea Cat by the crew, which apparently is um, similar to Able Seaman. I will never not laugh at seamen, even though my dad's in the Navy. And it's technically a seaman. It's funnier than hell. I don't Wait, even we're care. So, we're so grown up. I am an adult. <laughs> I have a mortgage. I have a retirement account. I have a credit score. Seaman's funny. Um, he was dubbed Able Sea Cat by the crew. So finally, after months stranded on the Yangtze River 
in the horrible summer heat, right in the middle of an international incident at the very birth of the Cold War, the HMS Amethyst makes its move. Okay, and this is important to remember. So right after World War II breaks out, or finishes rather, we, Europe, America, we're like, shit, we made a lot of money with that war, y'all. And then the Soviets are doing some shit. So, fuck. We got to do something. So, this is the start of the Cold War. This is the damn Ruskies and damn Americans. And so, this is where this whole thing starts starting. That's why we were in China. That's why the uh, people's, you know, the Communist Party of China was a big deal for the West to kind of be involved in is because Franklin Delano Roosevelt's and then previous and presidents that would come after him, this belief that communism anywhere was a threat to democracy everywhere. So that's why we were in Vietnam. That's what, which Lori's going to talk about. That's why we were in a whole bunch of places. Our asses didn't need to be was commies. And they will always leave out that the Soviet union was a big, big reason we won world war two. So it's a lot of dick measuring and saber rattling. So these poor sailors have been on this boat for two to three months at this point, middle of an international incident that has really nothing to do with them. Um, and they're hot. It's the Chinese summer. It fucking sucks. I can only imagine that boat smelled like the underside of a ball sack. It was probably <laughs> awful. Just, I mean, and my thoughts and prayers, Simon, because can you imagine just gross, so nasty. So finally, the amethyst is like, y'all, we getting out of here. So under the dark of night on July 30th. So they have been in this situation since April 20th. It is now July 30th. The amethyst broke loose of its mooring chain and started a 104 mile dash down the Yangtze towards Shanghai. Now, this is in the middle of the night. They are busting ass down this river to try to avoid getting, you know, fired on again by the People's Liberation Army. And by stroke of luck, they managed to just like sneak. It is like something from an action movie where they had the parapet or not parapets necessarily, but like they had the lookouts and they're like scanning the river and then it's just like get in under the spotlight like ninja shit. So. Hooray for the HMS Amethyst. They finally joined the rest of the fleet in Hong Kong. The boat had to sit in Hong Kong for a while to get repaired. So as it's sitting there in Hong Kong, news of Simon the ship cat just starts spreading. And a lot of people posit, because again, this is a British ship, this is the UK military, that after all the bullshit of World War II, which remember, like, England got the shit kicked out of it in World War II. Like, they blitzed the fuck out of London they just, I mean, Amer- with World War II, because Americans, we did not, except for Pearl Harbor, we did not get damage to our own soil. It was a really different recovery for us than it was for Europe that just got banged up. Shit got torn down. People, there was actual dead bodies in the streets. Like, it was a mess. So... They just, you know, in that post-war world rebuilding is still hard. There's, you know, the shit from the Holocaust is coming out. It's it's a psychic wound 
on Europe, basically. So this news of this ship cat, like, kicking ass during this kind of tense situation spreads. It's a feel-good story. Um, It makes people happy. You know, who doesn't love a good cat story? Like, I don't spend hours when I should be working watching TikToks of animals doing cute shit. It's good for the soul. So it is. A campaign began to award Simon the Dickin <laughs> medal, um, which is the highest military. <laughs> y'all know I am not mature, so don't start with me. <laughs> which is the highest military honor, military honor that animals in the UK armed forces can receive. So they start planning a lavish ceremony for Simon. Unfortunately, and y'all get ready because this is where I nearly lost my shit. Unfortunately, it would have to be posthumous. Simon developed enteritis, which is an inflammation of the intestines. And okay, just get ready. And on November 28, 1949, as his biographer wrote, the spirit of Simon slipped quietly away to sea. Oh, my heart broke. So Simon was entoured with a casket. And full naval honors, where he now lies in the National Memorial Arboretum. His stone reads, and guys, just, oh my god, just, okay. In memory of Simon, served in HMS Amethyst, May 1948 to September 1949. Awarded the Dickin Medal, August 1949. Died 28th November 1949. Throughout the Yangtze incident, his behavior was of the highest order. And this is where I fucking start falling. Good boy, I like, Simon. I know. I grabbed Gwen. I was like, would you take shrapnel for me, Gwen? And she's like, fuck you, bitch. Clean the litter box. <laughs> My bowl's your- almost empty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She's like, girl, I ain't taking shit for you. <laughs> but yes, that was Simon. Simon was a tuxedo. He was beautiful. Um, so we're going to have pictures of his memorial, which is gorgeous, and people leave him flowers and whatnot, and um, and also of him with one of his little sailor buddies. So Aww. it was very cute. It was very, very cute. I'm glad he got Yay, his um, naval honors. He, d- he got a full casket and full honors. I was like, look he at you. It. Way to go. Look at yeah, you, Simon. It's very good. Way to go cats man yes they're the best yes all right so on to me well actually korea korea okay that was also a proxy war so we're good yeah 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 no you're good yeah apparently the chinese were real real busy because they got involved in this one too so oh yeah (laughs) so today as i mentioned earlier i'm going to be sharing the story of the amazing sergeant reckless the small red horse that earned more than 10 military decorations for her heroic actions carrying ammunition during the korean war good for her yes so but before i get into that i wanted to share a little information about the war uh that you know is just I wasn't aware of because, you know, in history class, you learn about World War One, World War Two, you know, that but Korea always kind of gets brushed over. Yeah. And my uh, grandpa served in Korea. So I know mine a did, too. Bit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you have a grandpa, he probably <laughs> served in Korea. <laughs> 
Yes. So the war itself only lasted about three years from 1950 until 1953, but it still managed to claim 1.9 million military casualties with more than 815,000 deaths. And that's just, yeah, that's just enlisted military personnel. That number doesn't even begin to brush the surface as to how many civilian lives were lost, which was around an estimated two and a half million in three years. Oh, God. The war began when North Korea invaded South Korea on June 25th, 1950. United Nations troops, which were comprised mainly of American soldiers, supported South Korea while Russia and China sided with North Korea. The war itself didn't ever officially end. Fighting came to a stop on July 27th, 1953 with the signing of an armistice, but Uh, They were supposed to sign a peace treaty after the armistice, but it was never signed. And so the two countries remain at conflict today more than 70 years after fighting erupted. So now to Sergeant Reckless. She was bred to be a racehorse by a young Korean man who was only known by his alias of Kim Huck Moon. The small sorrel, which is the color it's red, a reddish brown horse is usually known as a sorrel or a chestnut. Uh, so the small mare never had the opportunity to compete at the racetrack due to the outbreak of the war when she was two years old. Um, Moon, who was desperately needing money to purchase his sister a prosthetic leg, uh, sold her to Lieutenant, er- Lieutenant, which is the word I can't pronounce tonight, Eric <laughs> Peterson, who was the who is the commanding officer of the 5th Marines Recoilless Rifle Platoon for $250, which I did a side goog, and that is just over $2,400 in today's money. Is that good or bad for a horse? Uh, Well, now it's actually pretty good because horses are selling like hotcakes, and you can get quite a bit for a horse right now because I guess with covid and not being able to to go out and do things in big groups people are buying horses to go ride because that's something okay get me a horse (laughs) so she was initially named and i am going to butcher this and i apologize to any of my korean speakers ah chim hai which translates to flame of the morning uh She soon became known as Reckless, which is the nickname of the gun she would carry ammo for. I don't know much about guns, but from what I read, this is a really dangerous gun that these guys used. And uh, they were known as the the Reckless Rifles. So, yeah, not, not necessarily the safest tool for war. Um, Reckless quickly took to her task of hauling the heavy ammunition, and while she was obviously scared during her first real battle, the stoic little mare didn't waver, which is an amazing feat for a horse. Horses are flight animals. Uh, My dad used to always joke that when scared, a horse is I must flee. Uh, and in my, in my experience, it's pretty true. They're prey animals. So any sound or movement that could be a predator or danger is going to send them running in many situations. And if you walk uh, behind gonna... one, they will fuck you up. Yes. If they don't know you're there, they will, they, they will send you flying. So they don't, they don't fuck around when it comes to, <laughs> to scary things. Um, and although reckless was scared, she came to love and trust the Marines she served with and never once ran from her job during battle. 
Um, another thing about horses is they're herd animals. They don't like to be alone and they form bonds with the horses in their herd. In some cases, they'll even form bonds with other animals like goats or even pigs. Uh, there were no other horses or animals for Reckless to befriend. So the fifth Marines became her herd and her family. Off the battlefield, she was known for her voracious appetite, which I can definitely get behind. She would eat anything from chocolate candy bars to peanut butter sandwiches. And she was known to uh, imbibe beer on occasion. So that's if where you, that Toby girl, Keith song came from. <laughs> I, I guess so. Because she drank a lot of beer. Good uh, for her. She, hey, she was in a war. Uh, she had to get, you know. Yeah, no, she, she would... I was uh, there. One of the sources for this uh, story was a book I read, uh, and I can't remember the name of it right now. It's like Sergeant Reckless America's War Horse or something like that. I'll I'll, I'll say it at the end when I have it written down. <laughs> Is that but, safe for them though? Like, because their no, digestive systems can be not. real testy. <laughs> it, it is not. I am very surprised that she didn't colic. Uh, which is a tummy ache uh, from that. Um, and she, I mean, she would walk up to people and just take food out of their hands. And if she felt like she was being ignored, she'd eat whatever was nearby. So she ate blankets, hats, poker chips. Same uh, girl. Yeah, Same. What, whatever. She's, she's honestly like our puppy pickle. He eats everything. And, uh, you know. Look, if I, I'm feeling fine. ignored, I start eating. So, yeah. Pla know. Plastic. He's real big on plastic. But <laughs> so Reckless's shining moment was for during the Battle of Outpost Vegas in March of 1953. At the time of the battle, it was written that, quote, the savagery of the battle has never been equaled in Marine Corps history. So pretty, pretty bad. Uh, on, so, and this is just the most amazing part. So on just one day of the five-day battle, Reckless made more than 50 round trips carrying 386 rounds of ammunition, which in total weighed nearly five tons. Jesus. Wow. She walked an estimated 35 miles through heavy enemy fire to reach her troops and would bring wounded men back down with her on trips to oh, reload. Good for her. She was wounded twice, you know, pr pretty seriously during battle, but she continued on. She never stopped or slowed. Her heroism led Randolph M. Pate, commander of the 1st Marine Division, to promote her from corporal to sergeant in an official battlefield ceremony in April of 1954. Go for her. After fighting ended with the signing of the armistice, armistice, there's another one I'm having trouble with, <laughs> many of her Marines fought to get the plucky mare brought back to the United States where she would be able to live out her days in comfort. After more than a year of planning, she stepped foot on American soil on November 10th, 1954, which is also the birthday of the Marines. She was honored that night at the Marine Corps birthday ball and enjoyed snacking on cake and the floral arrangements. <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl. Uh, Sergeant Reckless spent the rest of her life in luxury at Camp Pendleton. She gave birth to three Colts. Fearless, Dauntless, and Chesty. So that last one was 
Chesty. That last one was named after Lewis Chesty Puller, the most okay. decorated Marine in Corps history. Yeah, because okay. I was like, oh, cool. okay, you got fearless, you got dauntless, and then Chesty. Okay. Like, that yeah, one yeah. had a nice rack. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, she had to be humanely euthanized on May 13th, 1968 at the age of 20 due to oh. the injury. Yeah, she was she was fairly young for a horse. Is uh, that young you- for a horse? I would say so. I mean, I've got one that's going to be 30 this year. Oh. Um, oh, if, Jesus. you know, if, yeah, if they're healthy and, uh, you know, you take good care of them, they can live to be in their thirties. Okay. So it, it did surprise me that she was only about 20. Um, but due to the injury she received during the Korean war, she had severe arthritis in her back and hip and was lame in her rear left leg. Um, somehow she had fallen through a barbed wire fence into a ravine and she was brought in for surgery, but her injuries were just too great. And the veterinarian decided while she was on the, the table for surgery that she needed to be uh, euthanized. She was, she was buried in an unmarked grave near the barn office at Camp Pendleton. Oh. So a few years later, in 1971, a stone memorial was dedicated in her honor at the front gate of the stables, and some of her bones were exhumed to be buried at the monument. So this, at this burial, she received the, a burial with full military honors. Oh, good. So, yeah, no, she, she was, they definitely loved her and wanted uh, her legacy to live on. In 1997, Life Magazine recognized Reckless as one of America's top 100 all-time heroes. And then in September, excuse me. And then in 2013, sculptor Jocelyn Russell designed a statue of Reckless carrying ammunition, shells, and other combat equipment for a monument honoring her service that was unveiled one day before the 60th anniversary of the Korean War in the Semper Fidelis Memorial Park at the National Museum of the Marine Corps. And uh, we'll have pictures of this posted. It is gorgeous. I mean, just, I think Hannah, you and I were talking earlier this week about just statues and and just how beautiful horses are when they're they're in bronze and oh yeah all their musculature Mm -hmm. because like my favorite thing of like when we had horses is because I was young and raised by Yankees um (laughs) I always called the front part like their front butt (laughs) you know it looks like a butt on their chest and I would just put my head there and it's like the best thing it's the best they're so pretty yes they will kill you, so, but they're so pretty. <laughs> they Yes, they can. The monument's plaque has a quote from Sergeant Harold Wadley, who served with her. And it reads, quote, the spirit of her loneliness and her loyalty, in spite of the danger, was something else to be- behold, hurting, determined, and alone. That's the image I have imprinted in my head and heart forever. Aww. End quote. Yeah. Uh, So Jocelyn Russell designed a second similar statue honoring Reckless that was dedicated at Camp Pendleton in 2016. And in total, there are six national monuments dedicated to Reckless across the country. Oh, wow. For her. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. Her numerous military distinctions include two Purple Hearts, a Good Conduct Medal, the National Defense Service Medal, 
and more, all of which she wore proudly on a custom-made red and gold blanket that she would oh. sometimes eat. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm detecting the pattern th- here. Well, she reminds me so much. So the 30-year-old horse we have is Miss Piggy, and we've had... <laughs> Yes, it fits. She was she was actually bottle fed when she was a baby for a couple of weeks. So she earned that name. Um, We've had her since she was three. So, I mean, I've had her her whole life. She's that same way. She will. She loves to drink Pepsi. Sandwiches, crackers, whatever you got, she'll eat. Um, She's she's low on teeth, so not so much anymore, but reckless does remind me a lot of her, which is probably why I, I picked her story. Um, but in 2019, Reckless was awarded the very first Animals in War and Peace Medal of Bravery in a ceremony in Washington, D.C. Good for her. So why there hasn't been a movie made about this amazing little horse, I will never know. Yeah. Uh, like they've made they made a movie called War Horse, right? Yeah, right. I watched and it the, and I hated myself it, for it. Well, they, was that the like one they, with Cumberbatch? I don't know. I didn't watch it. I but it, I just there was one with Cumberbatch and a horse, and I was like excited because I was like horse movie, and I was uh, just yeah. like, sweet God, why did I do this to myself? I I can't watch horse movies because I notice too many things that are <laughs> yeah. wrong. Yeah, like. You know, in the Horse Whisperer, I noticed every time there was a different horse being used for this that's supposed <laughs> to be the same. So I can't, I can't watch horse movies. But I, I just don't understand why they made a fictional movie about a war horse when you've got this fantastic story of this little. I mean, essentially, she was the same size of a pony. Like ponies right. are fifty-two inches, and she right. was about fifty-two inches tall. Okay. Um, so it just and they were going to use her as a racehorse. Yeah, yeah. So she was. That's what like the little Korean guy that bred her. He uh, he had the mother. Her dam was a racehorse, and like that was his plan. She wasn't a thoroughbred. She's like right. in every every story about her, she's described as a Mongolian horse, but technically she's not even that. She doesn't fit the criteria. Right. So she's just kind of a. a a Heinz 57 of horses, right. uh, but just, just really, really dedicated and sweet. And, you know, of course she was going to be a mare because mares are like strong women. You know, they, they have the same personality. If you, if you, if you don't, like you said about uh, people not liking cats, if you don't right. like mares, you probably don't like women either. Yep. So <laughs> it's, it's, and we've and decided here, we've yes, made these exactly. Edicts. Sorry. Yes. Yes, set in stone. Talk to your mama about it. Um, <laughs> so uh, the book, I'm going to, yes, I, I think I was right when I said it's a uh, Sergeant Reckless, America's War Horse. It's by Robin Hutton. And there's a lot of good information on her website, sergeantreckless.com. And that's awesome. S-G-T and Reckless, no W. Reckless spelled with an R.com. So oh. that is the story of Sergeant Reckless. Okay, uh, so there's a, a ho- lot of. Oh, go ahead, Hannah. No, you're fine. I have a horsey question. So, yes, race horses aren't they always typically mm-hmm. male? No, no. That that that's not not the case. Typically, the male race horses uh, usually are are the ones that win. Okay, it's very rare that you'll that there's a uh, mare or a filly, honestly, because they're 
always babies when, yeah yeah they're they're babies when they race them and I can get on a soapbox about that another time but uh I think like the last really really well-known uh famous racehorse that was a mayor was uh Rachel Alexandra and it's probably been 10 years since she okay. was real big you know it's just I think it's just you know it's kind of like men versus women uh male horses stallions or geldings tend to be right. a little stronger bigger, yeah bigger and you know that's just typically what you see succeeding at the racetrack is is males but there are there are some some fierce little fillies out there you know don't <laughs> underestimate them but um yeah you know and it, it in my experience I always like a uh you know there's Miss Piggy of course is a mare and I love her to death and I'm going to cry my eyes out when she passes on but uh geldings are a little nicer yeah. The mares, they're a little more that, you know, you, you, you can tell a gelding what to do and he'll do it. You have to right. ask a mare and if she's in the mood, she, <laughs> she'll do it. If she's not, right. you know, she's like, go fuck yourself. I don't, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, so, okay, so, so like the first time I ever saw horses in person, I was like seven and we had just moved to the middle of Bumblefuck, Kansas. Like literally, <laughs> I don't even know if the town exists anymore. It was called West Drexel. Um, I think it's part of Lewisburg, Kansas. Now I don't even know the school I went to had one class for every grade, like itty bitty middle of nowhere. So we move in to this little house on a whole bunch of land. I'm, I'm moving from Kansas city. Like we lived in Kansas city in the city. My grandma's from Northeast and we had lived with my grandma and then we moved over to Kansas in the middle of fucking nowhere. And me little city slicker was like, what is this shit? Where's the sidewalk? I can't do this. And so mom's like, go outside. Just go outside. This was back in like the early 90s. So they're just like, go outside. I want to see you. <laughs> um, so I'm outside and our neighbors have horses. And like, I can see them. And these horses are doing something very aggressive and very, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like I had, I'd seen parades, but I had never been that close to a horse. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And so I freak out and go inside. I'm like, those horses are like fighting. And mom goes out. She's like, oh, no, no, they're mating. You're fine. I was like, (laughs) oh, I'm sorry. What? She's like, we've had that talk. And I'm like, we haven't had that talk about horses. Like you bite each other. What is this shit? She's like, yeah, no, no, you're fine. Just stay in the house. You're you're good. So that was my first like close up (laughs) interaction with horses is them doing the deed. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) okay. This is I'm only I'm seven this is fine I'm sure I won't grow up damaged it'll be great it's yeah no it's 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 quite it's it's I'm stuttering here because the first (laughs) um we we, uh several years ago uh it was actually when I was I think when I was pregnant with Sawyer uh I let my dad breed my barrel horse uh because I wasn't riding and he wanted a a, a colt off of her and my husband who was not a horse person at all went with me to drop her off and the people that own the stallion just were like hey just put her out right now and so i had to stand there five months pregnant i think watching these two horses go at it next to my <laughs> husband and i i just got the mad giggles i could not stop <laughs> laughing and i mean it lasted that those horses 
15 seconds tops and stud was done. <laughs> and I just could not stop giggling. And my husband kept looking at me like, what is wrong with you? You've been around horses for 30 years. Why are you acting like a child? But it, it was just, you know, it's, it's not something you want to see. You yeah. Know? It was lit. I was so excited. Cause I was like, oh, horses. Cause I had just watched wild hearts can't be broken, which is 90s girl classic so Absolutely. I was like I'm gonna get real close to this horse and I'm like because mom's like don't go on their property but just kind of look and so I'm as close as I can get without crossing property lines and then it starts and I'm like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> what she Sheena do you have anything to add in our discussion about the mating habits of horses have you ever you seen know, horses fuck I have not <laughs> I I I have very, very, very little horse experience. <laughs> Somehow growing up in Mississippi, I just, we didn't have them. I have cousins who do and, and all that, and that's fine. But I've never, I think I might've rode on one at a pet show one time, maybe when I was like <laughs> seven, maybe. Um, I also might've been too scared to do that because um, that sounds accurate too. <laughs> but yeah. No, no fun. Um, no fun horse story from Sheena. Sorry. <laughs> so am well, I going to have to send you YouTubes of like horse mating? No, so you can- no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I, I have to be scarred. I've never done <laughs> that. I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to think about how y'all's animals were buried and mine was stuffed and mounted. Okay, was he, was his whole or just his head? No, it's his whole body. Oh, okay. Because I've seen them where it's just like their head right. and that, like what they do with the deer and that bothers me. Yeah. Well, I it's don't just, like it. stuffing is just, because eventually there's not going to be someone around to take care of, of that Right, because it does uh, have to be, yeah. Well, because, uh, and I think I told y'all this when we were kind of talking about our stories this week. Um Roy Rogers, when triggered the original trigger died, he had him stuffed and his wife, Dale Evans, you know, who he starred with in all those old Western cheesy cornball movies was so furious that she said, you know what, when you die, I'm going to stuff you and put you on top of him. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, unfortunately those, the, the museum where, I mean, all the, the dog that was on the show, Dale Evans horse was actually stuffed too. all those horses they're kind of lost. The museum closed down and uh, they were sold at an auction. It's like, you know, is that really, was it really necessary? I mean, you could have buried Trigger and had a memorial that people could visit for him. Right. right. Instead of him just being lost in someone's basement somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like really like, on the fence when it comes to taxidermy like I like going to the museums and I like seeing like the taxidermied animals in the museums but like somebody's taxidermied cat would like flip me the fuck out like I would be desperately uncomfortable so I don't know there's something it's like um oh the the lions that went on a killing spree oh the shivo lions yeah Mm -hmm. Like those are like taxidermied and that's cool. You know, that's really cool. And then I, I want to see love, those so bad. 
I do too. Oh my God. Because I'm team lion all the way. Um, but just eat them. Just eat them. Eat all of them. <laughs> um, but um, where is my train of thought? There it is. Um, again, I'm just saying I had a hard kombucha with my bubble bath and I didn't realize it was going to hit as hard as it did, but it did. And I usually <laughs> like kombucha. There we go. Um, so they also have like the taxidermy fails that kind of crack me up because I forget which one of the kings brought back like a lion and he was like taxidermy it. And this was like way back in the day. And the poor taxidermist was like, I don't have a fucking clue what a lion looks like. <laughs> so he just <laughs> ad-libbed and it is the most horrifying thing anyone has ever seen. So I don't know. And then like, I don't know. There's something about taxidermy. I haven't gotten that. I have a friend um, through Facebook who like cleans animal skeletons and stuff. And that's a cool hobby. And it's, but it's just, I'm just like, I don't know how I feel like about having room. I mean, I have, I had a cat who had FIV um, and unfortunately she didn't even make it to a year. She had congestive heart failure. Yes. I'm talking about Sally Tabby. You'll be fine. Um, and so I had to have her put down and she's cremated and I have her cremains, which doesn't creep me out. But if I had her taxidermied, yeah. that would creep yeah, me no, out. I think that would be having, yeah. having her remains is, is I think normal, but no, having her taxidermied for me, but I mean, everyone grieves differently. I right. Guess, exactly. I mean, like when I think about, okay, I'm going to go check out this local city cemetery or I meant local city um museum or um a country's museum based on whatever i show me pictures of these amazing animals or something don't show me the taxidermied animals i don't need to right. see that um a picture does a, a picture speaks a thousand words <laughs> so but i don't know i kind of wish bill was uh put to rest so he could rest but i don't know maybe mm -hmm. he likes being in there maybe he wishes he could still headbutt people. I'm sure he does. Yeah. Tabby's like coming up to the mic like she has something to say. Maybe she does. Don't taxidermy me, mom. I, exactly, that's, yeah, exactly that's exactly what exactly she's it. saying. She's like, don't you she's like, do You know, they, they, they make, <laughs> there are companies that can make a stuffed dog that looks exactly like Tabby. And exactly. one day maybe they'll be able to make one that smells exactly like Tabby. Oh God, I hope not. She stinks. <laughs> Y'all and I do bathe this dog. I bathe this dog. She gets a bath, and every single—they just, just smell, especially she, when they get old. Exactly. She's gonna be twelve this year, so she's she's an old. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Um, <laughs> literally, she only goes outside to potty. She has her one little spot that she goes pee pee and potty in. We go right back in the house every single time. She gets a bath every other week, and there is a ring around the tub. And I'm like, you were disgusting. <laughs> you were so even when we we went to my parents for Christmas and my 12 year old nephew was holding her. He goes, she smells weird. I was just like, you smell weird. Leave yeah. her alone. The 12 year old boys also smell weird. Jeez. I know. Oh, they so, smell disgusting. Oh. oh, my God. No, I was What's working. Apropos of nothing. I was working out last night and I because I'm getting buff, I wore a tank top and y'all my 
he doesn't listen to this. My trainer's really hot. Um, so <laughs> now he will listen to it. I know. He's going to listen to this fucking episode. Whatever. He knows. <laughs> he knows. Anyway, so I'm like doing a thing where it has to go above my hands. And I'm like, oh, God in heaven. And so he's like, how's it doing? How's it, you know, how you feeling? I was like, I fucking stink. And he was just like, <laughs> I. <laughs> so we're great we're we're fun yes i'm wonderful (laughs) so thank you all for listening yeah um i'm really excited about next well not next week because we're we're doing alternate but we should also post pictures of our pets along with yes our subject animals yes yes Yes, absolutely um next episode we're going to be talking about some haunted cemeteries you know we it's and and that's the thing about us is everything's going to be a little different you know hannah's always going to try to do her best to find a way to work a murder in there there was no murder Um, this time i know no murder Uh, because because cats yes he did murder he murdered mao zetong he He murdered mao zetong oh yes Yes, he did murder rats, and also, I mean, you could count all the war deaths, but even though we're not right, about yeah. right, yeah. yeah. I mean, Simon yeah, did was... pick up a gun. That was not Simon's fault. Simon yes. did right. nothing wrong. He was perfect. Yeah. Yes, they animals are just you, you know we're lucky to have them. Exactly. Lucky to have them. In. Who so, was it? Yeah. Wasn't it Roy Rogers that said, "If dogs don't go to heaven, I want to go where they go." Who was that? It was an old cowboy wasn't john lane was it no <laughs> no no it would it's it, somebody like uh roy rogers or gene Autry, Hang on. i'm sure i'm g- quick goog quick goog tabitha you're snoring will rogers oh. different oh, rogers yeah. yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah. if they're related i don't know anything about cowboys yeah yeah and um thanks as usual to our um Thing song producer writer arranger revenge body thanks to derek for editing us Lori, what are all of our social handles and all that jazz? you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at cemetery row pod or you can send us an email with your fur baby stories we would love to get them at cemetery row pod at gmail.com and people have been sending us a lot of like their monument of people who know us uh, oh. through, through the socials come, have come been sending <laughs> have been sending us like their different monuments and stuff. And it's given us a lot of great ideas for like episodes and themes and things like that. So keep it up. Like we had yes. somebody whose father was at the Dozier school comment mm-hmm. on Instagram. So absolutely. We want, we want all of those stories. Yeah, we should sure come in and leave us um, a nice review, please. <laughs> yes, we, please. we don't take criticism well around here, um, or at least I don't. We, um, we take so- now we take constructive, nice criticism. Well, don't yeah, talk we about our don't talk about our accents or how we pronounce <laughs> things. We can't help it. Uh, but, you know, if there's something you think we should be we could be doing differently or any ideas, please. I mean, I'm yes. going to be. You know, we we want that feedback so that we can improve and make this better for everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was one. There was one queen on RuPaul's Drag Race where they asked her, "Do you take in charge of criticism?" She goes, "Not without crying." And hey, (laughs) hi, 
we may we may I, cry a little bit but hey you know if if i told if we- my boss i was like if you're gonna say something harsh let me turn off my camera so i can cry <laughs> so yeah. that is our agreement because That's i'm gonna me. cry <laughs> well okay well just- thanks for tuning in y'all yes. Oh, go yes. ahead, Lori. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm going to keep that, keep that inside right now. <laughs> Not okay. while we're um, so thanks for listening. Come back in two weeks. We will discuss haunted cemetery. So get ready to get scared. Yes. Sheena and I are going to hopefully hit up a haunted cemetery down the road from us. So hopefully we'll get yeah. to do that before we record. And my cemetery, I got on the uh, team meeting. It was like, y'all, is this a bad neighborhood? My coworkers, and they're like, no, girl, you're fine. So (laughs) that's good. If I get murdered, call my boss. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Well, all right, guys. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.